0: welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening to Fortress of Faith. This is Tom Wallace. This is our third segment in how God is sovereign over the Middle East. And we're looking way back into the ancient times of the Middle East we've been talking about the kingdoms of Egypt under Ramesses. And, and, you know, these were men who ruled the world. Powerful, powerful leaders. But just like Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, the Bible tells us that that the king's heart are in the hands of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turneth it whether he willeth. God has the ability to still be sovereign over the heart and governings of great Leaders, and we saw it time and time again. We saw how God did that with the Egyptians, we saw how God raised up the Assyrians, and how God brought uh, through Sennacherib and the destruction of the Assyrians through the Babylonians rising up, but God used the Assyrians to bring judgment on the children of Israel because of their disobedience to God. God said, Listen, you're you're disobeying me. I've told you time and time again, if you obey me you're gonna have a pleasure. You're gonna have peace. But if you disobey me, I'm going to bring pain into your life. And look over here. I'm going to raise up an enemy and they're going to come and take you away from your homes, take you out of your places and uh, steal everything that you've got and even steal you and capture you and take you away. And the Assyrians were the first group of people to do mass deportations of people and transplanting one group, one nation amongst another nation. And, and this was begun by the Assyrians and so they capture these people take them into slavery in fact because now we have found in in the city of Nineveh the clay writings and stuff there that they wrote there in the records and stuff that Jews were taken and put into their armies to go fight others and you know these people were captured by the Assyrians and now the Babylonians rise up And now Nebuchadnezzar inherits the slaves of northern Israel. And so now he sends his armies out to do his conquering and to gain more wealth and pillage and spoiling and and capturing of more slaves. And now he comes down into Judah. And we find here in, in the life of Nebuchadnezzar that his armies sack Jerusalem and they destroy it. Jerusalem's gone, the temple is destroyed, the furniture and all the gold and all the holy instruments of worship of Jehovah God has now been desecrated and mocked and taken away with the people, and they are brought back into Babylon. During this time, there's some great pain, but God brings us some interesting prophets. We have Daniel and Ezekiel who are writing during this time. But in Daniel chapter uh, three, we find the arrogance of the king, you know, and he builds a mighty tower statue to himself there and calls on the people to worship me. And of course, we know the wonderful story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they will not conform. They will not bend. They, if we, if we, Have to live here. If we have to do this stuff there, we'll do what we can do. But this is one thing, king, that we cannot do. We cannot worship you as God. So we're not going to bow. We're not going to bend. And we find that God made it so that they will not burn. But they didn't know that yet. But they say to the king, king, we don't know if God will save us. And if he doesn't, we'll die. That's fine. But be it known to you, O king, we're not going to bow to you. Well, the king, Nebuchadnezzar throws him in. And there we see the great vision of of, uh, not only the three walking about, but the fourth man is with them. uh, and, uh, And it's interesting that Nebuchadnezzar recognized him as the son of God. Isn't that interesting? But then we find something else at the end of it. Because beforehand we're saying no one can change the words of the king. Uh, The kings of the Medes and the Persians and stuff there. You can't change these words. You can't alter the law. But we find that after this had happened, King Nebuchadnezzar calls out for praise to God and says, listen, even all this can change the word of the king. Again, I'm here to tell you, the hearts of kings are in the hands of God. God reigns sovereign. And even the mighty ruler... Over the, At that time, the mightiest kingdom on the face of the earth. Great King Nebuchadnezzar has to admit and yield himself to God. In chapter 4, you may not realize this. The fourth chapter of Daniel was not written by Daniel. was not written by Hebrew. It was actually written, if you read it, by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar gives his testimony of his rebellion against God and his foolish heart and how God judged him, put him out in the fields to eating grass and acting like an animal for a season, and before finally God restored his mind back to him. And he's realizing, he's saying, listen, you know, God's in control. Don't think that you, I mean me, mighty, mighty Nebuchadnezzar of the mighty kingdom, of Babylon that has conquered the the wicked Assyrians and you know we have the power to take them down We got power to take anyone on we control the world But we can't control God God still controls us It's an interesting study just read Daniel chapter 4 and you'll find that was written by the hand Of Nebuchadnezzar as he's pretty much stating the very same facts that was taught to us in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 Now we see, though, God is not finished. And God warned them that they would be taken away, but only for a period of time. That their time in persecution and being taken out of the land will only be for a period. And we know it was 70 years. A a year for every time that they did not uh, let the land rest. They were told the year of jubilee, the seventh year, that they're to allow it to rest. Well, they didn't do that. They kept farming. They kept out of their greed, trying to take more and more out of the land, out of the. And God said, "Don't do that. Every seventh year, let it rest." Well, they didn't do it. So every time, for every year that they did not do it, God put them in exile. And so, but that came to an end. How did the Babylonians give back? the Jews, so they, so they can go back to their home. Because now the Babylonians have inherited the, uh, uh, the people from the northern kingdom that was taken by Assyria. So all of Israel, northern kingdom and, and southern kingdom, they, they, they're no longer divided anymore. They're all in exile. They're all taken out of their home. How do they get back home? Well, it's very interesting that God was at work. And we come to the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah made an interesting prophecy 150 years before this time. 150 years uh, before, he, he says something in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. He says, That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, "Thou shalt be built," and to the temple, "Thy foundation shall be laid." Now, this is a very puzzling thing for Isaiah to say because he's in he's in Jerusalem at this time. I mean, this is 150 years before the exile, before Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple still standing, Jerusalem is still occupied, and Isaiah is talking about a man named Cyrus, which is a name that no, no one. Has heard of before. Cyrus is a foreign name. It's almost like me saying, in one hundred and fifty years, there is going to be a ruler, and his name is going to be Bebop, and Bebop is going to, you know, rule the world, and he's going to rebuild Washington, uh, D.C. The Capitol building is going to be rebuilt in one hundred and fifty years by the king Bebop. Well, Bebop. I mean, it's a name that nobody knows. Someone by name Bebop. That's almost like what Isaiah is saying right here. He's saying, you know, 150 years, there's going to be a man that God calls him the shepherd. And he's going to be like a shepherd. His name is going to be Cyrus. It's like Cyrus would never, it's almost like his foreign as bebop. And, and he's going to rebuild Jerusalem, and he's going to rebuild the temple. Suggesting that, hey, in the future, this is going to be gone. But someone will come back and rebuild it. Who is this man Cyrus? Well, I'm looking at my time, and I don't have the time to really fulfill everything that I want to say about him, but he's an interesting character. Of all my studies of late, I've been doing a lot of studying about Persia, ancient Persia. Cyrus is the man who raises up a new nation, a whole new empire, a splendid empire, an empire none like any other. And it begins with this man named Cyrus. Now, his father gets a vision that this Cyrus is going to be a problem to him when he's born. And so he gives instruction for one of his uh, men to take him and kill him. And the man just can't bring himself to do it. And so instead of killing the young son, he gives him to a shepherd family. And he's raised 20 years in secret by a shepherd family. It's interesting, it's a shepherd family. Because God refers to him as a shepherd. And he's often called, you talk, you know, those who study the life of Cyrus, he's often referred to as the the shepherd king. Because not only did he conquer great nations and build a great empire with with an unmatched military, he ruled benevolently. None of the other kings had. All the other kings ruled with a hammer hand. But instead, Cyrus raises up a kingdom that you'll find will be blessed in many, many ways. But he rules with kindness. And when he takes over Babylon, he finally sacks Babylon. He goes out to the west first, and he deals with with conquering to the west. And then he comes back and turns south and he conquers babylon and when he does he inherits all the children of israel and instead of keeping them in slavery and in bondage and in exile he frees them and not only does he free him free them he sends them back with the funds and the abilities to rebuild their capital jerusalem and the great temple of god that is the very same temple that jesus will later walk into and worship in. Well, that's going to be it for today. We'll jump on more of this tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage.
1: God bless you. We want to thank you for tuning in to our radio program today. We believe that our programming brings strength and courage to the saints across North America. I'd like to talk to you about the impact of a $10 monthly donation. Did you know that just $10 a month can help us reach even more people with our message of strength and courage? Your donation allows us to continue producing high-quality programming, reaching out to new audiences, and sharing truth of God's word with those who need it most. But it's not just about the numbers. Your donation also helps us to bring comfort to those who are going through difficult times, to inspire those who are struggling with their faith, and to connect people with a community of believers who can offer support and encouragement. Giving $10 each month is what we call the Army of 10 and army donating just $10 a month. It is easy to set up a recurring donation from your bank card. You can set up a recurring gift yourself safely and securely online at our website, fortressoffaith.com, and click the Donate button. Or you could simply give us a call to set it up for you. The number to call is 800 82 Again, that number is 800 82 please call now to become a member of the Army of Ten. The number to call is 800-616-0082. Thank you.